Welcome to the Money and Meaning Podcast. It's the podcast for CEOs who want a life full of money and meaning. I'm your host, Kenna Corder, National Certified Counselor and the world's number one clinical hypnotherapist specializing in turning stress and anger into a life of meaning. I created a virtual experience that allows me to have private conversations with CEOs that are stressed because they're singularly focused on money. And what I've found in my clinical practice is that if the CEO is stressed, the whole company is stressed. Am I right? But it doesn't have to be that way. And the CEO is stressed because society makes us believe the American dream is one thing. When it's just not true, it means different things to different people. And the truth is, the American dream is dead now anyway. Because all it ever did was force us to chase money and compete with others, which left us stressed and unhappy. Nobody dreams of being stressed and unhappy. That's why I set out on a mission to guide my tribe on a transformational journey to make America meaningful again. So if finding meaning in life is a high priority for you right now, let's get into today's show. Today, we're going to talk to a CEO who will discuss this topic from a different perspective. What would it feel like to have to sell your family business because it doesn't bring you meaning anymore? And it's basically stressing you out so much that it's making you sick. Our guest today, George Bandarian, had this experience. Not only did he rebuild and sell his family business, but he's also started a new business where he helps startups increase traction so they can raise money and scale. He is the managing director of Value Scaler. He has a passion for helping people. He has a passion for helping promising founders that want to make an impact. Today, we will discuss with him the search for meaning over money, including venture capitalist money. As he shares his journey going from rebuilding a company, selling it, and starting a new project that brings more meaning, he'll give us the insight. So guys, please join me in welcoming our guest today, George Bandarian. Hey, George. Hey, Kane. How are you? I am great. How are you? Pretty good. Feeling fabulous, all told, given the realities of what's going on, but you got to keep a positive mindset, right? Absolutely. Yes. I did a coaching call this morning and I was like, I'm on a seven. Usually I'm on 10 and I'm usually too much for people. So a seven is probably <laughs> where, <laughs> it's where I need to be <laughs> in order to really connect with people. So I was telling the person, I'm like, I'm on seven today. And they're like, really? Because I can't tell. <laughs> <So> <laughs> they're like, can oh, we yes. explore six? <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and some of the guys I've dated have said, "Can we go down to four? Like, can you <laughs> <win>? <laughs> oh, so yes, I'm with you in the positivity. I'm, I have double doses of it, and I'm excited to talk to you today because I know you have a great story about going after the money and then shifting to the meaning. And so I really want to get down into that. But before we do, you know, the question we ask every guest is what is your idea of prosperity? 
Sure. So the way I think about it is self-actualization. <laughs> we go to our friend Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, you know, if we can cover all the basic building blocks underneath and get to the top one, the top of the pyramid and, and living in self-actualization, we're in a good place. And, you know, what that means for me is the second I say that people say, okay, well, what does that mean to you? What that means to me is just like living your best life, just being your full self and being aligned with your massively transformative purpose in life. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to have issues and, and still like fail at things or have obstacles and roadblocks, but, but you're really living your best self. So kind of enamored with this best self concept. And <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm kind of in it and out of it. Like whatever is the trend, I try to stay away from it. But best self, like that is it. Like that sounds like the right thing to do. Be your best self. And anything with best in it, I kind of am like partial to best. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm with you. I love that. And that self-actualization, of course, talking to a therapist, I'm totally with you. And I understand where you're coming from and that self-actualization. And I'll even kind of add my perspective because mm -hmm. I know when people ask you, well, what does that mean to you? self-actualization it has the word self in it so of course it has to be what you feel is you actualize but if we're honest a lot of our actualization comes from somewhere out word where we're like okay well what can I do with what who I am on the inside how can I pull that out and like affect the world what would you say about that yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think that that was one of my kind of transformative moments was Tony Robbins. Yeah, I'm a big Tony Robbins guy. And as I had sold a business that I had lost passion for, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later. And I was mm -hmm. kind of in my post exit identity crisis, which happens to a lot of entrepreneurs, figuring out what I wanted to do. And I was the startup kind of rapidly iterating on myself and trying to figure out what I want to do next. And how will I have the you know, greatest impact in life. I, I sold this business because I w didn't think that this was the way I could most impact the world. And now I need to figure out how that is. You know, I've always been envious of like, kind of like the, these are going to sound like bad examples now, but I was going to say Michael Jackson and Britney Spears in the sense that from a young age, they knew what they wanted to be for the rest of their lives. Oh or even Kobe's and Jordan's and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But that's just kind of not the way it's been for me. And so especially the last couple of years, I spent time figuring that out. And my point that I was getting to with your question is kind of the, the breakthrough moment that I had was I was at Date with Destiny a few years ago. And kind of there was this one exercise that Tony does to help you realize like, what is that software program that just keeps playing uh, on repeat all the time? And for me, being kind of a left brain strategic guy, it was like, how can I get what I want in this moment? It was all like strategy optimizing for like getting the desired outcome. And when I rewired that to instead, how can I be the greatest force for good in this moment? That really changed a lot. It kind of went from what I want and what's going to serve me to what does the situation call for? What, what do they want? What do they need? How can I serve? How can I be the greatest force for good? How can I be the tide that rises all boats in this moment that I'm in? You know, I just try to read that and reflect on that and live that every day. Damn. Like you said, how can I be the tide? Not one of the boats. 
<laughs> you, I know like when you said that sentence, it like really hit me because being the tide, most people don't see themselves as the tide. They usually see themselves as one of the boats that gets mm-hmm. lifted with all the other boats. But wow, that was powerful. I like that a lot, man. Yep. And I'm probably going <laughs> to steal it. <laughs> I should just warn you. Yeah, no, no, no problem. Go, go for it. It, it, yeah. it is. Yeah, p- people do get that wrong sometimes with like the boat that r- raises all boats or the. But yeah, it's really that tide. It's that. Yeah, tide. it is. But you, you're thinking about not necessarily being the tide and raising all the boats as much as you're thinking about. Well, I hope the tide raises my boat. You know. Yes, I love how you put it. More so on you to be the tide, not to be the receiver of the lifting but to be the lifter yeah this way that i'm going to ask this question is going to sound like i'm going too far but go with me on this um so you talked a little bit about having a business that wasn't in line with your overall values and making that shift but what challenges or what stressors what kept you from being able to live a life of meaning with this first business? What was in the way with that first business that is not in the way with your current business? Yeah, sure. I mean, that's a great question. So basically, the company that I built was a tech company. We were in the document management and workflow automation space. So we helped kind of like uh, big, high volume, high compliance, high paper companies go paperless and automate their workflows. So think of governments, mm. police departments, law enforcement, schools, colleges, aerospace companies, manufacturing companies. And so for a while, that was great. You know, we're helping companies become more efficient, helping people kind of find the documents they needed and complete workflows more quickly. But, you know, I just kind of felt like there's got to be more to life than helping companies become more efficient. And, you know, how am I actually like when I die, like going to have made this world a better place? And I don't think it's going to be by you know, helping automate more workflows. So certainly there was stuff that I could do outside of work. And I, you know, I was doing some coaching and mentoring other entrepreneurs and just kind of had like a natural, some good innate skills for life coaching and things like that. But ultimately, I mean, uh, professionally, I wanted to be more aligned with the areas that I wanted to, to work in. So that's kind of what led me to putting my mind on building it to sell and spending a few years to prepare for that and ultimately kind of having a you know very fortunate scenario happen with the exit, selling to a strategic. Hard to believe now, but that was two years and two months ago. <laughs> ah, so when you started the business, so what I heard you just say, when you started the business, you weren't thinking about selling because nowadays it seems like people are starting knowing that they want to exit strategy. And so you're saying when you started, you weren't thinking about the sale. You were just thinking about growing this business. Did, did I hear you right? Yeah. So it's a really interesting story to go back in the past. It was kind of like one of these situations where my dad had started the company. It was like oh, this analog. Right. Yeah. This analog kind of microfilm business. And then he had passed when I was a baby. My mom had taken over the business. And she she didn't know, like she was a teacher, like an immigrant teacher. And so she was left widowed with like baby and a business, but done an amazing job for kind of a couple decades figuring it out. And so when I took it over, it was basically being disrupted. It was an analog business being disrupted by digital. Mm. So, I mean, at that point, like a lot of these things weren't on my mind. I, I think I felt very fortunate 
that I had this mm-hmm. opportunity to kind of graduate from USC and, and take over this business. And, and up until that point, the tender age of 20 years old, like I kind of had the Midas touch on a lot of things and academics mm. and, and sports and things like that. So I thought the business would be the same. And I got a big slap in the face that those first five and maybe even 10 years, it was, that was the one, the last economic downturn hit in 07, 08, 09. And so, you know, I was just 27, 28 at that time. And immediately when I was involved, I wasn't thinking about it. But pretty soon, you know, I, I would say at some point, five or 10 years in, I was already thinking about kind of that camp of thinking that you're referring to, which is, you know, build, building to sell. And, mm-hmm. you know, how do I almost engineer this to command the highest price at one day? And I think there's definitely two schools that there's not, there's the other one is, you know, doing something that, that is, that you feel is meaningful, that you never want to sell that, mm. like, even if they would have to like, almost like pay yeah. you too much for you to sell mm-hmm. it because you enjoy what you're doing, you serving your highest calling. And so I, I don't think like people kind of debate over which one's right or wrong. I, I think that sometimes you fall into businesses, sometimes things change. Sometimes you open a restaurant because you think that you want to serve pizza and the best tasting pizza to people. But then like eight years in, you're just kind of tired of that and you want to do something else. So, you know, I, I think it's okay that things change over time and just kind of knowing, is this business serving my highest calling or not? And if not, then, you know, what's my plan to get to, to level up in my life? You know, how do I get mm-hmm. to the next step? Yeah. So we talk a lot about sacrifice when we talk about the search for meaning over money. What would you say was your biggest sacrifice while building this company, this family business, especially in those years where you already knew that you were going to start selling? What was your biggest sacrifice? My health. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Chronic inflammation, eczema on steroids, Mm. just arms, neck, face, red, like dry, just totally stressed out, totally very kind of a, you know, past allergic reaction looking like very like hives, you know, like I I dealt with that, like kind of going and coming in different waves, but definitely some really, really bad kind of peaks of how bad it was. Yeah, so that was tough. That, that was kind of price I paid and then a long journey into kind of healing. And mm-hmm. you know. I was about to go there next. So I want to go a little bit deeper because did it take you selling the business to heal from this eczema and this inflammation and all that was going on with your body? Or did you start working on that while you still owned the business? Good question. So, so neither, but both. Okay. <laughs> um, it, it didn't go away when I sold it. I, I did start working on it while I still had it and mm-hmm. I still have to deal with it. So the stress comes from the inside. It's the body's, I've come to believe it's the body is telling me that something mm-hmm. is off and to pay attention to something. And so that's not tied to the business. I think my body will always alert me. And I think it does for everybody in their own ways. Like people kind of, when they get stressed out, some people get strep throat, some people mm. get like like a shoulder pain or a stomach pain. So I, I think it, it, it just expresses itself differently for different people, but it's very similar. So this is mine. It's a very obvious one because it shows up on my body, usually on my face and like people around me will know. And I mean, so my journey was, 
I did all the allergy tests. I did all the Western doctor stuff and like, oh yeah, you're in perfect health. Then I started going down the Eastern path, you know, Chinese medicine and mm-hmm. felt like we we're getting closer, but not quite there. And then one of my other mentors is Deepak Chopra. And so mm-hmm. kind of went into the Ayurveda path and realized, mm-hmm. you know, there's the three doshas and, and my dosha is Pitta. And for Pitta, it means that you're too hot, like you're, you're in heat. And so the redness is, the inflammation is just heat. Kind of the recommendation, which surprised me, was basically to just stop doing anything that creates heat and to create cooling and calming and centering in my life, which I'd never thought of things that way. So mm-hmm. when yeah, I would go run- That would even include food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yep. so that includes food, spicy foods, you yep. know. I had to cut that out. That included like actual like being like running in the heat or like being outside Mm. in the heat. That included like working out intensely, like Mm. heavy weight training versus doing yoga. So I made all these adjustments that even like alcohol creates heat. As I kind of look down the different categories of life and obviously stress, stress creates a lot of Mm -hmm. heat. So as I look down, I could see in every category what was creating heat and it's not just one thing, but it's the combination of all these stressors that kind of the, the visual that I have is the bucket gets too full and then it just all spills out into my bloodstream and, and into, and that, that's kind of how inflammation happens. Right? So I know we went really deep on this, but I know a big part of your podcast is about the stress and the effects of stress. Yeah. And so I think, you know, that was my journey. If it helps anybody, yeah. it's, it, I had to make changes that I, never thought I would, or like I didn't long time ago, I didn't think yoga was like a full complete workout. Now I, I, I love know, doing right? yoga. <laughs> you know, I, lo- <laughs> I love doing my yoga. It's like, so yes, yeah, so I stay in a cooling, calming kind of centered zone. And I, I let myself go out once in a while and just get crazy because I have that wiring. But but I know that if I do it more than moderation, I'm just going to hurt myself. So I just, you know, I stay away from that. Yeah. And that's interesting because your energy, when I look at your pictures, your energy through the pictures is high, high energy, high impact, intense, like you are intense. Mm -hmm. And so I can imagine that has to be a huge shift in your life. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. it is. I mean, I I meditate, you know, two to three times a day. I just Mm -hmm. meditated before we got on. That helps tremendously. I do my yoga. I changed my my workout. Yeah, so it was a big shift. But you know, you, sometimes like when you kind of reach those lows, you have to make those changes. And I'm so I'm I'm actually really grateful for it. that. That's the other thing was that the business exit or the business situation led me or created exacerbated the issue. But it exacerbated to the point where I had to deal with it, and I ultimately have found a way to keep it in check. So I'm, it's kind of like I have the control over the, the lever now. So that's given power back and that's all we could ask for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a course on the Insight Timer meditation app called Control the Controllable. And step four is being grateful. And in that, I talked about being grateful for our challenges. And that is not easy to be like, oh, thank you, universe, for sending me this great challenge. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's what I hear when I hear you speak about like you had that low low and it from there it transforms you. I heard this that maybe a couple of years ago, a year or two ago, that a lobster has to completely shed its shell and then and it's painful because it grows to the edge of the shell and it kind of bursts out of the shell and it's painful, but it knows then that it's time to go. And so it gets out that shell and it waits for the next shell to grow around it. But in the meantime, it's vulnerable. So it kind of goes under a rock, waits for the shell to grow, and then it goes on. But some of these lobsters get really, really big. And if you can imagine that they are outgrowing their shells every whatever so often, that's normal for a lobster. For an American or a human being, we are so adverse to that growth and that pain that we can't be grateful like, oh, I'm about to go to the next level. No, we're like, oh, shoot, this hurts. Mm -hmm. But what I heard you say is like, it's like you're glad that that happened because you got to this best self person or you got to at least move forward closer to that best self person. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'll have to look you up on Insight Timer after like, I, you know, I've tried Calm and Headspace and all the others for years, oh. but lately I've, I've been a hardcore Insight Timer guy. I love how I could quickly filter and like whatever I'm in the mood for, like get that and I'll yeah. have to check you out on there. Um, oh yeah, check it out. And you'll love Inside Timer as a company too. They very conscious and the way they treat the the teachers. Because there what a thousand teachers. I promise you, I feel like I'm the only teacher. The, the attention <laughs> and <laughs> really? that's awesome. They are so attent. They are so good. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm, I'm an investor in the kind of the mental health startup space, so I'll have to take a closer look. What? At them. Absolutely. Okay. That's awesome to know. Yeah. And you'll have to tell us more about that. What does that mean exactly? Yeah. So I guess that that leads us to this side of the journey where like, like <laughs> where, where <laughs> am I at now and what am I up to? So I knew like kind of, I did a lot of soul searching, a lot of asking the powerful purpose related questions. I could share a few of them if you want. Please. Yeah. I follow the work of like Peter Diamandis and Singularity University, and they're really good at helping people think about the big kind of UN sustainability goals and what's your MTP, massively transformative purpose. So like three of my favorite questions from there are first, who do you want to be a hero to? And the nice thing is, as soon as I said that, everybody's mind went to the right answer. It's a very quick way of kind of like flushing out like who it is you want to serve, because that's part of the problem. Like people kind of get stuck sometimes. But if you think about, is it the inner city kid in Atlanta? Is it like the village in Africa? Is it the homeless in LA where I live? Is it the startups working on quantum computing? That's fine too. Whoever it is you want to be a hero to. And then the other two, which kind of really get the next level are, well, the first one is if I gave you a billion dollars, and you obviously couldn't spend it on yourself, what cause would you work on? So you have to work on whatever cause, like like what outcome would you try to create with that billion dollars? Kind of like it takes money off the table and just lets you think about, okay, well, I guess I have this infinite money. Let me go do what I've always wanted to do. So for Elon, yeah. maybe that's you know getting to Mars, although he actually does have a billion dollars probably. <laughs> actually has more than a billion dollars. But yeah, so, so for our, us mere mortals... The Beatles said, money can't buy me love. But guess what? We are all using money to get love. It's true. I'll tell you why I know. I've learned in my almost 20 years of working in the financial and mental health industries 
that money and love go together, whether we want it to or not. All of our actions are based on doing what we think will get us the maximum amount of love. Now, later in life, we begin to use money to get that love. From the time we are children, we set in motion a plan to get our parents' love, then our friends' love, next our partner's love, and so on and so on and so on. So you see, around age 14, we make a final decision on how we will handle money. And it just so happens that at that same time, we are making a decision on how we'll handle love. You might decide to be a saver. You might decide to be a spender. You may even decide to be a hero or an enthusiast. Wondering what those two are? Take the money mentality quiz. It will reveal how you use money to get love. You don't have to believe me. See it for yourself. Take the money mentality quiz. Go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash quiz and see for yourself. It's free and it only takes like two minutes. The great thing is you'll walk away not only knowing your money mentality or money personality, but you'll also know your money strengths and challenges so you can do something about them. So go ahead, take the quiz, but don't stop there. At the end, remember, give me your email address, your best email address, so I can give you some guidance to get enough love and money in your life to make it full of meaning. Go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash quiz. The link is in the show notes. Now, let's get back to today's show. And then the other one is the other way, which is, and this one's really interesting. I want to get your thoughts on this one, maybe all of them. But if I told you that you weren't going to make any money, you weren't going to be successful no matter what you did, at least not financially successful. So I'm, again, I'm taking success mm-hmm. and money off the table. Then what would you do? I would so, talk to people every day like this. There you go. <laughs> this it right here. Yeah. Yeah. So, you're uh-huh. living your purpose because you know that no matter what, that's how you can have the most impact. I find that those three questions help. And so in my journey, kind of, I boiled it down to basically two things. One is, so I feel like the purpose of my life is, is to, and we talked about it in the beginning, but to inspire transformation. So we live the best version of ourselves mm-hmm. with health and happiness and prosperity. Kind of the key part of that is like the best version of ourselves. You know, I, I just feel that in general, when I look around for a variety of reasons, people are walking around, not quite like zombies, but like, and mm-hmm. sometimes that's how I see it in my head is like, we're nowhere near a hundred percent. Some people are at 10, 25%. Some people are at 50, 60, 70%. Others are like really working on it and learning and trying hard. And they're at 80, 90, hundred percent. I'm not saying yeah. I'm at a hundred percent, but I strive for that. And I just think it's a shame if a life is lived and and that person didn't get to live whatever was the best version of themselves that they could have. So I'm just super passionate about that. Yeah, that is so good. And I have the gift of insight. I tend to see what people don't see in themselves. And if they are open, I used to just tell people what I saw, then sometimes Uh people can't handle it. But if they're open, then I'll share because I think sometimes we can't be our best selves because we can't see ourselves. 
And sometimes mm. we'll need somebody to hold that mirror up to us and say, well, this is what I see when I look in your mirror. And they're like, oh, is that what you see? Because I we can't that. always see it. Yeah. yeah. So wait, I, I want to ask you something. I got two of, of the three. I might have missed the third one. So who do you want to be a hero to? And I got, if I told you you weren't going to be financially successful, what would you do? What was the third one? Did I miss it? Oh, if you had a billion dollars, what would you spend it oh, on? Oh, that's solving? right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Man, man, that's a great question too. And it's one of those questions that you could like ponder all freaking day, like all day long. You could just ponder what you would do with this million dollars because right now a lot of us have a lot more time on our hands than we usually do. You need questions like this, these full questions to begin to introspect, you know, Mm -hmm. we do so much outward stuff, which you talk about being thankful for challenges. I don't like the whole social distancing and quarantine. Yeah. I feel like it at least makes us think about one, what's really important. Now, now when these doors open and I'm able to go out and do whatever I want to do, what is going to be really important for me to do? And then two, what was I doing before that I could totally dismiss from my life now? None of this has to happen because when you ask, when you begin to ask yourself these powerful questions, because we really are only as powerful as the questions we ask ourselves, because as we start to answer them, if we're honest, we have to shift like you did. Mm -hmm. So I want to take this a little bit deeper because you were going into this new career, this new business, the new company that you have. You talked about mental health being part of that. How does what you do now bring meaning? Sure. Kind of what I shared was just generally, like, I feel like that's why I'm here on this earth. And and what I Mm. want to do is just helping people live their best lives. And then specifically, kind of more concretely, as it relates from a, and how does that show up professionally? It's kind of what I figured is either I could go try to start a company and do that for the next decade or so, or identified as part of all the soul searching work, I identified my superpowers and, you know, kind of, I'm really good at the coaching and the networking and kind of the business building side of things. And so what I decided and what I got to was that I could make more impact if I actually guide and accelerate some of the smartest founders that are solving the world's biggest problems, basically being a tech startup founder, coach, an investor, mm. raising a fund, an accelerator, running masterminds. There's different ways that it's manifesting and it could manifest over time. But in essence, I'm basically helping other founders so I can you know, work with 10 per year. Over 10 years, that could be like 100. And so I could potentially have a lot more global impact by mm. helping more founders grow amazing companies, invest my and other people's money into those founders and their companies, and really kind of get the satisfaction of being that mentor coach, helping them live their best lives, helping their employees live their best lives. And then obviously that allows them to serve their customers in whatever space they're in. Kind of the side of things that I'm passionate in is the self-development, you know, breakthroughs and transformations, but that kind of generally falls under mental health. So so mm-hmm. that mental health specifically is the space that I am particularly interested in, but that shows up in different things. I mean, it could show up in a media and entertainment startup. It could show up in a AI startup that's kind of developing like a life coaching AI 
or you know somebody could be doing a documentary on what helps give meaning. Oh, that would be you. <laughs> you felt that one coming, didn't you? I was like, yes. That was good. <laughs> and I stole this sentence off of your website. You just said it, but I loved the way you said it in, on your website that you said, I'm on a mission to create Venture Fund where we help amazing founders build and scale successful companies that make the world a better place. And it's so much in that sentence. And let me tell you the number one reason why I loved it so much, because there are people who found businesses who have great ideas, brilliant ideas, but are not really prepared to build and scale them into what could be considered, you know, a successful company. And but if they could, they could make the world a better place. So they need to partner with someone like you who can do that because that gift that they were given weren't building and scaling. That wasn't the gift. They were given the gift of whatever therapy or whatever the gift it was that they were getting. Or like you said, maybe they created a software, but they don't know how to build and scale. And collaboration is just, to me, it's like the best thing ever. Like that is, without collaboration, most things in the world would not even happen. And as an African-American, I love collaboration because this takes us on a whole nother level. But (laughs) really, we would not be out of slavery if there wasn't some collaboration. If somebody Mm -hmm. else did not step in and say, this can't happen anymore. We got to collaborate. We got to get together and we got to end this. And that alone, like just knowing how much can come out of collaboration and that sentence you said, that's what I hear in that sentence is the collaboration. Can you tell me about that? Because that's where I find the meaning in your website. That's where I found meaning. Right. That's interesting. My experience with that is when we were talking about like when I was in my early 20s and I really just kind of like felt like I was on an island. And again, I went from like kind of feeling like I had the Midas touch. It was difficult. Like as a little 20 year old, you can't change the fact that an entire industry is being disrupted by digital. Like you can't will your way. You have, right? So like ultimately that difficult journey, you know, I was able to get into some amazing CEO peer groups where I was able to learn with and from other founders I was able to get some great mentors that really helped me. And I kind of, I saw where, you know, one of my early experiences was like a mentor would not like suggest things. Like he would just tell me the right answer. Like at first, the first one or two <laughs> times I kind of questioned that. And then I just saw every time he was like 100% right. You know, I realized what the value of a mentor who's been there, done that <laughs> was like he had grown a yeah. large publicly traded company. And so like when it came to advising on certain employee issues, you would say, fire her. Like, you don't need that on your team. <laughs> and then I'd be like, well, but, you know, like, let's give her a chance. And like, maybe like yep. she'll stop being an alcoholic. And he's like, fire her. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, so. Yes. <laughs> so that's part of my motivation now is as we're building this fund and accelerator and masterminds and working with founders, it's really myself and having a whole kind of team of mentors and advisors that can help them and provide and them community along with other founders so that they could go through that journey together and, and not feel 
alone and on an island like like I did when I was working on something big. Yes. And many CEOs, many founders, you know, have that feeling, especially if they are solo preneurs. But even as you build a company and you have employees and you still feel like you're on an island until you, like you said, connect with mentors and get in that peer group of other people just like you. So you don't have that lonely at the top feeling. That's so true. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So we have, we're coming towards the end of our talk and I'm like, no, no, I don't want to go. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> so we have another question that we ask every guest, but before we go to that question, I think the question I want to ask you is around how do you fund these startups? Are you getting money from other places? Is it all your money? How does this happen? Because then I have a follow-up question to that. Yeah, that's a great question. So so yeah, we're building a $10 million seed fund. You know, we have different investors and family offices that are putting money in to the fund. And then the fund invests in a portfolio of startups that we believe have kind of high growth potential and are kind of venture worthy and that that they're amazing founders that could have the potential to create the next unicorn, if you will. You know, we want to find those badass rock star kind of high potential founders that have an idea, a good idea and have validated it, have some some customers or some data. And we can kind of dig into a number of parts of these, but, mm -hmm. you know, especially kind of in this climate right now, as we're in the middle of COVID-19, it's, it's more important to have more validation and data given the kind of the investing climate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then, then my follow-up question to that is how particular are you about the people who invest in your fund? How do you kind of vet them? What do you look for in an investor? Sure. So, I mean, investors invest for different reasons. For some, mm -hmm. it's primarily the financial and it's kind of the main thing. That's and, what made you know, me ask. <laughs> <laughs> and some of those might go with, you know, might want to go with a different fund if all they care about is like getting the highest return. You know, I think with our focus around kind of the entertainment and media and the kind of and mental health and and, and using entertainment and media for good. We don't just want another streaming service. We don't want just like another mm -hmm. game that, that's a bunch of mm -hmm. like killing each other. There's plenty of people that will fund that. Yeah. Uh, we want something that's going to teach that kid something that's going to make their life better. You know, if it's a show, like again, like how does this like make life better? And, and listen, we all need a little Tiger King. <laughs> so, you know, when that COVID hit, like the Netflix just timed that perfectly. Like you know, everybody just did need to just disconnect from reality and go into the wild, crazy world of Karen Baskin, whatever her name is, yes. and uh, Joe Exotic. <laughs> but so yeah, so, so with our investors, I, I think that they're going to be the ones that, that, a lot of what we're talking about today resonates with them and they're looking to put their money where into investments that could make the world a better place and mm -hmm. and that they have some angle or some value add that they could contribute as a mentor, uh, as an advisor, as some kind of a subject matter expert that would be great to pull in in you know one or more of the portfolio startups at some point 
They want to get access. They want to see what the latest and greatest is with technology. And they want to kind of be part of a cool community of other investors. And then also they want to be able to help the startups and kind of live not vicariously through them, but be able to have that feeling of being part of that and having some role in that. So so those are the ones that are particularly kind of a, a good fit for our fund. Yes, that makes so much sense. And I figured that's what you would say, but just kind of wanted to hear that. And that is so cool because there is that investor does exist and probably not enough uh, funds that are, I guess, impact related, you know, conscious, Mm -hmm. so to speak. And coming from Morgan Stanley, uh, there weren't a lot of just, you know, thinking of funds in themselves, like mutual funds, not necessarily venture capital funds, but there were not a lot of funds if you wanted to stay really lean and stay very passionate if there were like passion stocks or whatever you had a lot of times that there was not a lot for you and if you did want to do that then you really did have to give up a lot of return to do that and what i hear you saying is money is still important like a return is still important but meaning is just as important try to get both of those in this target that we're hitting we're not choosing one over the other we're trying to hit both is that what i hear you saying Exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that you're going to have like a role, right? Whereas like, even there's more established impact funds that have done great, but you know, they're generally going to want to take the money and say, okay, well, we'll provide you the dividends, you know, in Mm -hmm. in five to 10 years as you know, as these startups kind of exit or IPO or, or whatever the case is. And I think that's the other thing about like working with like a new fund with a manager that's wanting to really do something special and surround themselves with, you know, with great people is that it allows you the opportunity to kind of be on the inside and, and be part of that journey as opposed to kind of just putting your money in, even if it is a conscious fund. Yes. So good. I cannot believe it's at the end. And what's so funny is this is really funny. The first two people who reached out to me, are the last two people I'm interviewing. The person I interviewed right before you and you <laughs> were the very the very first two people to reach out to me. And what I find very interesting is both of you went outside of my process. <laughs> you reached out to me on LinkedIn and he actually had his assistant call me on my cell phone. I was like, how the heck did he get my cell phone number? <laughs> but <laughs> so, but however, both of you have such amazing stories, like really good, that whole like money to meaning journey. And so really good stories. I'm so glad you went around to get right back to <laughs> to me here eventually. I'm so glad you took the time to pour into what you had because the reason why you were the one of the last interviews is because you had a bunch going on and you really had to put that first, but this project was still important to you. So I truly appreciate you taking your time out to share with the CEOs, the entrepreneurs, you know, and even even the employees who are going to be listening to this interview because it's so rich, it's so full, and it's so meaningful. So thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor and it's been totally fun to chat with you. It is. And I have one more last question for you. Um, sure. But before I ask you the last question, if anybody wanted to reach out to you, if they wanted to see if they were a good fit for your fund, if they wanted to just, you know, see what you were up to, how would they do that? 
Yeah, sure. If somebody's got a startup or something that resonated from our chat, as long as you, I'll share my Calendly link. And as long as you're super clear about kind of the nature of your request, then it's not, you know, it's what it's meant to be. You're more than welcome to contact me. And so it's just Calendly forward slash GB2, my initials. And I assume you'll put the uh, yep. the link in the show notes as well. Yes, I will do that. Absolutely. I want to say that a lot of the CEOs we've interviewed have been EO and mm-hmm. so generous. You guys are so generous, but that's all I want to say. Cause your calendar link. Wow. That is so generous. And wow. That's all I have to say about that. Extremely <laughs> generous. So thank you. But so my last question is what is the best advice you've ever received or the advice you wish somebody would have told you? I think the recent big one was the one that I shared earlier about kind of the that that transition of that that code in terms of going from how can I get what I want to how can I be the greatest mm. force for good you know and then the other was around the MTP questions the massively transformative purpose questions so you know I think like those two combined has been I think kind of the most valuable thing for me lately so I'm happy to go back yeah. into that but no, we got it. If those are, okay. those are that. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, George. I look forward to man. Like this is not our last conversation. Happy, happy to chat again. <laughs> <laughs> Great. So guys, thank you so much for listening all the way to the end, being a part of this meaning over money conversation. And I look so forward to seeing you guys next week. This is going to be a really awesome project. We have so many great CEOs pouring into you and I hope you appreciate it as much as I do. So I'll see you guys next week. Thanks for joining. Hey, before you go, I'm wondering, are you a CEO who is starting to feel like it's time to manage your stress rather than just tolerate it? Have you gotten to a point where you rather be appreciated for who you are rather than what you've done according to society's rules? Would you like to enjoy your success with less stress? If this sounds like you and you're interested in seeing if you're a good fit for working with me and my team over here at Presidential Lifestyle, then here's what I'd like you to do. I invite you to head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com and book a private conversation with me. It's not free. My time is valuable just as valuable as yours is. And for that reason, I'm going to pour into you for about 45 to 60 minutes. You pay a small fee in exchange for a lot of love. So we can get to the bottom of what's stressing you out right now. I'll listen to your goals, accomplishments, and even your challenges. And I'll tell you more about me and my process too. You'll get to ask me questions and I'll give you a few tips and resources that you can start using immediately to reduce your stress. It'll be worth your time and your money. I promise you that. At the end of our call, if we believe that we can work together successfully, I'll share with you the fastest way to get to where you want to be using my program. At Presidential Lifestyle, we help CEOs all over the world navigate through stress and turn their money into meaning. To see if we can help you do that same thing, head on over to presidentiallifestyle.com or simply click the link in the show notes. All right, go now. 
I'll see you there. Talk to you sooner. Thanks for listening all the way to the end, my Prosperity Pro. I want to stay connected with you. Here are four ways. Pick the one that works best for you if you want to stay connected with me. One, if you have any questions, I'd love to answer them. Send them to podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. I'd love it if you would make a one or two minute audio message and attach it to an email. That'd be the easiest way for me to get it. Ask me anything about creating a life of meaning over money and I'll get you an answer. Remember the email address is podcast at presidentiallifestyle.com. Two, subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends because you guys might want to have a discussion about it, especially if they're a CEO who wants to shift from the old American dream to a life of meaning. Three, we try not to have any sponsors on this show unless they are truly in line with our values. I mean, really a good fit. So that means we fund this podcast ourselves. I'd like you to take a look at our resource page to see if there's any products or services that we recommend that are right for you. If not, no worries, maybe later. If so, please use our affiliate link to purchase. Thank you in advance for doing that. You are such an amazing person. Okay, four and last. If you want to know what's happening over here at Presidential Lifestyle and you want us to email you the update, then go to presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. And you'll see the current updated blog for the week, but you'll also see a link to subscribe to that blog. We can email it to you if you like. That's presidentiallifestyle.com slash blog slash now. Don't worry. You don't have to remember that link or any links. They're all in the show notes. Oh, and I forgot to say, if you're enjoying this podcast, go ahead and leave us a review and tell us how much you're enjoying it. And now for the legalese. This podcast is not to replace professional counsel. The best advice is from a professional who knows you and your specific situation. The topics discussed in this podcast are general in nature and for informational or entertainment purposes only. We encourage you to meet with a professional that you can discuss your specific situation with. Whether you choose us or someone else, one-on-one counsel is important, whether it's a financial, therapeutic, legal, or other decision. So that's all for now. I'll see you next episode. And remember, you can have wealth in all of its forms. Believe it, and you'll soon see it.